Welcome to the Pro Football Network Betting Podcast. We're going to go through the entire Sunday slate of 14 games this time because there is not two Monday night games this week. Uh, I am Chief Content Officer David Behrman, joined as always alongside the Director of Betting, Brian Lewis, and today special guest, ESPN Daily Wager researcher, Mackenzie Kramer, who Brian and I have worked with for a million years. It's good to reconnect with you, Mac. Welcome to the show. Thrilled to be with you guys. There's too much good Eagles and Dolphins vibes going on around you guys. You got to bring in the sad Jets fans. So it's nice to bring that perspective to the show. Absolutely. We would not have had the Jets on if a Jets fan on if you were three and oh. So it's a good thing that you're doing exactly what we expect you to do. So we could uh, bring you on at one and two and hear your thoughts on the Jets Chiefs game coming up. So we have a full slate to get to. So let's speaking of the AFC East, let's talk about two teams that are actually still in contention. Dolphins and the Bills, the Bills minus two and a half, 53 and a half right now is the total. Uh, it is a battle for AFC East supremacy. The Bills have had the Dolphins number, especially at home, winning 11 of the last 12 at home. Josh Allen has dominated this Dolphins team, but anybody who watched the Broncos game knows this is a different Dolphins type offense. We'll start with you, Mac, because you're new to the show and you're a Jets fan, and I would imagine that you hate both these teams. Uh, where are you going with this one and what do you like? To be honest, this is a tough game to really pick a side for. The Dolphins have been so good this year. In fact, our ESPN analytics actually ranked the Dolphins as the number one team in the entire NFL right now based on their early season performance. I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but their offense has shown that they can be elite. It looks like Jalen Waddle's on track to return this week, so their offense gets another playmaker back. This is a really tough game for me to predict right now. I'm kind of leaning the Bills because I trust their defense a little bit more, but I really don't want to step in front of this Dolphins train right now until I have a better idea of just how good they are. I mean, their their yards per play, their EPA per play. It's not that they're number one in the NFL. They're number one in the NFL by so much yeah. where it's hard to really know how much of it is real and how much of it is not real. Obviously, the 70 points last week skews a lot of the numbers. I think this is a really tough game to predict, and I'm kind of staying away right now. Bills minus two and a half. If I can get a minus one, 110 on that, maybe I would consider that. The total seems right to me. It's moved up about four points from the look-ahead line, so 53 and a half, 54 is all right. You've mentioned Josh Allen's success against the Dolphins, nine and two in his career, multiple touchdown passes in every game. If you like the Bills in this one, one other look you can maybe do with this game is getting ahead of Josh Allen to win the MVP. He's around nine to one, plus 950 right now. I think this is a very high-leverage game when it comes to the MVP market. So if Allen wins, he might join Mahomes and Tua as one of the top three favorites. But this is a really tough game for them. So I don't really have a strong lead on this game. I'm curious where you guys stand. And it's a very valid point by Mac that sometimes it's not just the sides and totals or props. Sometimes you can jump in on the MVP market. We're here to give you all of the information. Um, and also stay away is also a very good advice. Sometimes as you don't want a piece of the game, you don't have a piece of the game. Brian, what do you like here? Well, I'll start my uh, arms up in the air. I'm hearing uh, Mac uh, Shaft uh, get removed Jalen Hurts from the MVP conversation, have him replaced already. He hasn't even had uh, a really good game yet, but he's totally right that uh, this is such a hard game for me just because if there is a time to fade the Dolphins, it's coming up a game in which they scored 70 points playing against division rival on the road, but I can't stomach that. I already tried that spot last week with the Broncos, and let's just say that was one of my worst plays in recent memory, just watching them put up 70 points. I've pretty much that that was a loser right away, even when the game was a little bit close in the first half or a minute. But yeah, this line is got up to Bills minus three at FanDuel, which is I mean, 
everyone's going to be on the Dolphins this week, you feel like, because the public after watching them last week and even throughout the season, as Max has been by far the best team, yet the line has been moving in the Bills' direction. Even more gross play than fading the the Dolphins would be taking the under here, which is something I'm considering if it gets up to 54 and a half with that key number. The game, the score for the Commanders Bills game last week was only 16 nothing entering the fourth quarter. Then he had a couple turnovers in that quarter, including interception touchdown. And granted, the Bills have played Max Jets, the Raiders, and the Commanders. They've been really good defensively so far, and they're familiar with this Dolphins uh, offense like the Patriots were in week two. So if there's any time where the Dolphins might have a little bit of regression offensively. It's going to be against division rival with a good defense. So if this gets up to 54 and a half, which is pretty, which is a key number of playing totals, I would definitely be in the under here. Now you mentioned the total and I can tell you that I am on the over, which sounds like an obvious play because of the Dolphins offense, but I'm gonna go a little bit deeper than that. First of all, I took it at 52 and a half, which is where it opened on Monday. So I got it early. I know it's 53 and a half now and 54 in some spots. And like Brian said, if it continues getting to those key numbers, it might be worth going the other way. So we we know the Dolphins' offense. They scored 70 last week, as Mac mentioned, number one across the board in every metric. The defense hasn't been great. Uh, they kind of got a pass last week because they scored 70 points, but they still allowed a couple of touchdowns to Denver. They weren't great against New England. So you wonder if the Dolphins' defense can stop Josh Allen and the Bills because they haven't in the before. I know Vic Fangio is different and different defense. Um, but the last two meetings between these two teams, including – the wild card matchup with a third string quarterback in Skylar Thompson. The last two meetings were 61 and 65. Both occurred in December and January of last year. They had that Saturday night game with two of playing that went right down to the wire, scored 61 total and 65 in the playoff game with a third string quarterback. So Miami can score on this defense and Miami has shown that they haven't been able to stop the bills offense. So I'm still playing the over, uh, but I wouldn't play it any higher than 54, which is a valid point. And, one last thing about that MVP race, you would think that I have a Tua MVP ticket. But last year when they were 3-0, I decided to go take a Tua MVP ticket. And then he got, you know, you saw what happened on the field in Cincinnati. So the superstition in me is not taking that at all, especially with the value having been changed. But good point by Mac. Moving on to a game that won't have as much scoring as Dolphins Bills. And if you can compare the two totals, I would obviously take the under in this one. Ravens and Bronco, Ravens and Browns battle in the AFC North. Browns minus three, 41. I took the under when it was at 42 a couple of days ago. I would still take the under at 41. The Browns across the board have the top defense in the league. And if you look even closer, because a lot of people remember the Browns-Steelers game was just a disgusting Monday night game. Steelers scored two defensive touchdowns and scored on a 71-yard touchdown from Pickett to Pickens. That 71-yard touchdown is the only defense, the only offensive score that the Browns defense has allowed this entire season through three games, having only allowed field goals in week one and three. As for the Ravens, their offense is still Lamar left, Lamar right. Last four matchups between these two teams, the highest has been 46, which would beat the 41 or 42 if you got in early. But these two teams don't score a lot when they play each other. There was a 13-3 game last year. I'm on the under. I like the under here. That is my play. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you can't really go wrong taking the under when um, you take on uh, Cleveland Browns games. Because like you said, they've only given up one defensive touchdown this season, which is pretty crazy. Mac was talking about how big a gap there's been between the Dolphins offense and the rest of the league. It's probably a similar story with the Browns defense in the rest of the league so far this season. I mean, they've only given up or allowed 21 first downs. And the next best team is the Bills with 41 first downs. I'm not sure what the look-ahead line was here. Mac would have a better, would have better insight there. 
but it was at Browns minus one and a half on Sunday night. And now it's down to Browns minus three. I mean, up to Browns minus three. The Ravens have a lot of injuries and they haven't really had that impressive win so far this season. They beat the Texans in week one against a banged up offensive line. CJ Stroud's first start of his career. Then they beat the Bengals when everyone knew that Burrow wasn't close to 100% and they still looked really sluggish coming out the gate. And then last week they had a tough loss at home against the Colts. Granted, got pretty unlucky. That should have been a pass interference on that uh, fourth down play to Zay Flowers in overtime. But I haven't really, I'm having a hard time getting a good read on this one just because the Ravens usually are a good team to back as underdogs, especially in the division. And while Deshaun Watson had much better week last week and showed signs of the guy that he was in the 2020 season before that. That was against a Titans def- pass defense. It's one of the worst in the NFL. And granted, the Ravens had a lot of injuries in the secondary. I trust them much more than we're going to get this Titans team. So I don't really have a big lean here right now because I'm a little afraid to kind of fade both of these teams. Mac, I know you have a play on this game. What do you like? Yeah, I'm pretty surprised that this line is a full three. I know it's minus 115, not quite a minus 110, at least as of last time I checked. But are we sure the Browns are a better team than the Ravens? Because that's what that line implies. Like the home field advantage is not a full three points anymore. And to me, I think the three points are very valuable in this game. You guys have mentioned the total. I kind of like the under as well. It's starting to get a little bit low, though. I think this easily could close 39 and a half. So it might even have more, more room to grow down. But in a low scoring tight game, I think these three points could actually come into play. It just seems like one of those classic AFC North battles where you take the underdog getting the three. It's probably going to be a three-point game either way. The one thing with the Ravens recently is you guys have mentioned their injuries, but they actually got a halfway decent injury report on Wednesday. Tyler Linderbaum practice, Ronnie Stanley practice, those two guys in their offensive line that can get back, Marcus Williams practice. Still no Marlon Humphrey, but there was a, he he mentioned on Instagram uh, in, in a feed that he might be able to play this week, so we'll see how that goes. And I'm not a big trends guy, even though I write the trends column for ESPN.com every week, but Lamar Jackson as an underdog, 11-1-1 against the spread. So I, I, it's hard for me to, to not take three points here with the Ravens in this spot. I know the Browns' defense is very good, number one EPA per play right now, but they played the Bengals with Joe Burrow in his first game off the calf injury, who was not looked very good. The Steelers, as you mentioned, the Titans. So that strength of schedule is not very good. I'm not so sure if the Ravens have an elite offense right now. Their receiving core is also extremely banged up, but – I think that this is a game that could really go either way. I think it's a pretty even matchup. And if I'm going to get a full three points and a game with a total around 40, 40 and a half, I think you got to do in this game. So I took the Ravens plus three minus 115, and hopefully I can get a minus 110 before kickoff. Real quick, um, and do then you Brian, know what the look ahead line was for this? I'm assuming the Ravens were favored originally. I, I, I don't have that in front of me, unfortunately, but uh, maybe I'll have it by the end of the show. No, no worries. I'll just. Uh, one thing. One thing Brian and I talk about often on the show is looking for overreactions to the week before, trying to hop on lines that the public will jump the other way because of the overreaction. And and your point about the Ravens getting three points could absolutely be an overreaction. The fact that they lost and looked like crap last week at home. And then on the flip side, the Browns look like world beaters holding Tennessee to 95 yards of offense. So yes, I don't think that this line would be in to Brian's point. What is the look ahead line? This might be the biggest overreaction line of the week and you're getting tremendous value with the Ravens plus three. And we both agree on the other moving to the other conference. We have a divisional battle between the New Orleans saints and Tampa Bay bucks. 
uh, two two and one teams, although getting there in different ways. Saints blowing a big lead last week versus the Packers on the road, where they could have been three and zero. But if you look at the Saints' other two games, they could easily be zero and three. Um, and then you have the Bucks, who were two and zero, but then went and got smashed by the Eagles on Monday Night Football. The Saints are laying now three and a half, though the juice is down to one hundred two. It moved from three to three and a half. The total was forty and a half, down to thirty nine and a half overnight. We'll start with you, Mac. What do you like in this one? Boy, it's a pretty rough slate this week. If Baker Mayfield versus either an injured Derek Carr or Jameis Winston gets the third billing off the top of the show well, this I'm week, I know these teams. That's true. And the Jameis Winston revenge game, perhaps in this game. But I've been looking for spots to fade the Saints all season. I took I think they've been overvalued ever since the offseason just because they're the only team in this division that looks like it has a pulse. I took them plus 150 to miss the playoffs entering the season. I'm a little nervous about that just because the rest of that division looks so bad that 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 it's hard to really leapfrog the Saints right now. But I think the Saints still have some residual respect from the Sean Payton, Drew Brees days, that those guys are not walking through that door. Dennis Allen, the single worst coach against the spread in the entire Super Bowl era, the only coach in our database with, I forget the minimum amount of games, but he's the only one below 40% against the spread. So I don't like taking Dennis Allen. I don't like taking him as a favorite in this spot because I don't know if the Saints offense is going to put up enough points to really cover that many spreads. They've scored 16, 20, and 17 points against the Titans, Panthers, and Packers, and that was mostly with a healthy car. I know he left last week's game early. The problem is I have even less faith in the Buccaneers offense and Baker's played three games this year against the Vikings. He was under five yards of drop back against your Eagles under five yards per drop back. Sure. He was good against the bears, but everybody's good against the bears. So I don't really take a whole lot from that. I kind of lean maybe the under 40 and a half, but I don't really like taking these super low totals and domes. I think my one play I might take in this game and I haven't done it yet is the Buccaneers team total under 18 and a half because I think the Buccaneers offense is really going to struggle in this game. We've seen the success Marshawn Lattimore has had against Mike Evans in the past. That seems to be Baker Mayfield's number one weapon this year. But this to me just looks like a pretty ugly game on paper. And maybe I take the under, but I I think I'm mostly going to stay away from this game because I can't lay it with the Saints. And I don't know if that's enough points to take Baker Mayfield with. Dynamite stats there from uh, our statistician guru, Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN's daily wager and stats information department, dropping the whole Dennis Allen Worst coach against the spread in the Super Bowl era. Tremendous note there. And I actually love your under 18 and a half bucks total. I might go pick that in the middle of the show. Brian, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, my only concern with taking the Bucks team total under is the quarterback they're going against and how turnover prone he is and could easily throw at least a pick or two in his own territory. That's my concern with the under in general because both of these quarterbacks are really turnover prone going against good defensive lines and get after the quarterback. I have a, I'm with Mac here though. With the Bucs, I thought they're a little overrated going into last week against the Eagles. I have a hard time betting the Eagles sometimes. I don't want to be too much of a homer, but I didn't really understand why so many of the Sharps were on the Bucks in that spot with the Eagles on a, coming having a long week to prepare and Baker finally going against a good defense after playing the Bears the week before, who we see who are we seeing now the worst team in the NFL probably. But if I am eyeing anything here, I'm looking at Chris Olave's props. He's been really steady so far this season, averaging like 100 receiving yards a game, I'm pretty sure. But he hasn't really had that like eruption spot yet. He's just really steady and consistent. And he's going against a Bucks pass defense that really got shredded by A.J. Brown last week. And right now it's at 73 and a half. And Jameis, as volatile as he is, he could sling it. He could really throw the ball downfield. He's not afraid. Of, Derek Carr is a really good deep passer, but he's a little afraid to take those risks, as we know that Jameis 
isn't afraid of anything thrown to football. So if I have any play here, I look at Olave. I'm just a little concerned about the total with how turnover prone these quarterbacks are going against good defenses. Defensive line. It took the Bucks and Saints matchup for us to get our first team total and first prop out there. So that's what it took for those games. And full transparency, Mac, when it comes to picking out the games we start with, I'm looking for the notable matchups of winning teams. And I went in time order based on the book, which is why Bucks and Saints, for that reason, was ahead of our next game, which is Patriots and Cowboys, which will be seen in 99.9% of the country at 4 at 4.30 p.m. as the national game. Anybody remembers a couple of years ago, this was a crazy game that went right down to the wire, scoring left and right. It was one of the craziest games of the year. Obviously, that's ancient history. And this one, uh, we have a line that's a little bit tricky depending on what book you do, and it goes right back to what Brian and I have talked about many times and making sure you shop to get the best line. We've already talked about some other lines that have moved. Currently, you can get the Pats at plus seven at FanDuel and it's six and a half at DraftKings. So it is moving left and right. Uh, six and a half or seven Cowboys favored. The total is 43. Um, I bet it at seven and and I'll start off by saying the Pats defense is a lot better than, than people think it is. Um, if you look at who they've played so far, uh, they held Jalen Hurts and the Eagles to a whole bunch of field goals in the red zone. They held the Miami Dolphins who have scored a billion points. They held them to 24 points and putting a three deep coverage out there, not letting the Dolphins beat them deep that evidently Denver had no desire to watch that tape or do a copycat lead because they did the exact opposite of what the Patriots did. And Bill Belichick can game plan. And I know there's been a lot of chatter out there about stealing signals and, you know, uh, signing players that know the throw it all that aside. It's Bill Belichick and he knows how to game plan and the Cowboys have issues. We saw it last week in Arizona, what was masked by a really good defense of performance against the Giants in week one um, and against a Aaron Rodgers-less Jets in week two. Uh, the Cowboys have some issues, and, and I'm playing the seven here. I think it's too much. If you can get that seven, shop for the number um, for this game. And yes, the Cowboys are capable of putting up a big number and beating the Pats. I don't think the difference between these two teams is as big as the point spread shows. Your thoughts? I think the issue with the Cowboys is that we don't know exactly if it's the first two weeks Cowboys or the week three Cowboys that are coming to play. So you say we don't think you don't think the difference between these two teams is that much. My issue is we've seen the Jekyll Cowboys and we've seen the Hyde Cowboys so far. And I don't know which one it is we're going to get for this game. But the biggest thing that's keeping me off the Patriots in this game is recently they've been the team that you want to back when they're facing a bad team that can kind of suffocate a bad defense beat the lesser team mac jones can take care of the ball they can play from ahead and win kind of like last week where they basically took an early lead in the jets and they just decided all right we're good with uh we're good with 13 points we don't even need to really try to score that much anymore because they just sat in the ball the rest of the game but when they play good teams when they're underdogs they have not had a lot of success recently you think oh bill belichick getting six and a half seven points that should be an auto bet but Mac Jones, his last 10 starts as an underdog, Mac Jones is 0-10 against the spread. They, the Patriots themselves have lost seven straight games as an underdog against the spread. So when they play these spots where they're playing better teams, they usually don't play up to their opponents. Like that, They just don't have the talent offensively. I mean, they have the fewest explosive plays in the NFL this year, only three plays of over 20 yards all season long. And 
The, but the biggest thing that I, that's kind of keeping me away from betting Dallas in this spot is I just don't know what they are right now. <laughs> losing to the Cowboys or losing to the Cardinals as a double-digit favorite is pretty alarming. And you look at their injury report this week, they have three offensive linemen that start for them, Tyron Smith, Zach Barton, Tyler Biotish. None of them practiced on Wednesday, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. But the Patriots' offensive line struggled, too. They ranked dead last in pass block win rate, and now they're facing Micah Parsons and a really, really good Cowboys front. So... To me, this is probably Cowboys or nothing. Six and a half, if we can get a minus 110, I might look to play that, but I haven't played nothing on this game yet. I'm curious what you think, Brian. Yeah, I'm actually on the opposite side of uh, Beerman here. I locked in uh, Cowboys minus six and a half. I had that stat written down for my take here that uh, Patriots 32nd NFL and pass by win rate. So uh, thanks for showing that one, Mac, even though it did come from uh, the worldwide leader. And yeah, the Cowboys are obviously, we know they have Michael Parsons and Marcus Lawrence made the best pass rush in the NFL. I just don't trust this Patriots offense going against an elite defense like the Cowboys. And I'm not had the Patriots last week at minus two and a half. I just will love them against any bad quarterback like Zach Wilson. But if you had any competent quarterback in that game, the Jets probably would have won. Like the, the Patriots really weren't that impressive. They just weren't the they just weren't as bad offensively. And the Cowboys last week were one and five were one for five in the red zone. So she's a little bit more regression here this week. I mean, they turned the ball over on downs inside the five-yard line, I believe. And then Dak had that gross interception in the end zone. I don't know what the stats are with teams that lost a double-digit favorite the following week. But I imagine it probably trend it's it, it favors them, just considering if they did beat the Cardinals last week, I'm sure this line would be higher. But the offense line injuries are a bit scary. That didn't scare me off last week and putting that and taking them in my survivor pool. Well, I'm expecting a bounce off spot for the Cowboys this week, and they are very Jekyll and Hyde. I'm going to assume they're going to play more similar to the world the first two weeks rather than the last week. This podcast wouldn't be any fun or worth it if we didn't have competing picks at some exactly. point or another. So we got we got to the Pats Cowboys game, and I am on the Patriots plus seven, and Brian is on Dallas minus six and a half. Mac is a non-play though, leaning Dallas, and throws a whole bunch of stats my way uh, that show that my pick may not be as good as I thought it was. That being said, I'd like to use one of McKinsey Kramer's poker terms and say, I firmly believe that Brian is on tilt here because Brian went on this pod last week and said, there's no possible way the Dallas Cowboys will lose to the Arizona Cardinals called him out on the show saying, we're going to come back and bring that up. If it happens, it happened. Um, and he live bet the Cowboys the entire night and lost as well. So I had a, um, my record for the day was really good, but I was in the red because of the Cowboys. <laughs> Um, moving on, uh, I normally save the Sunday night football game for last on the show, but because our special guest is a diehard and, um, I won't say insufferable, I say sufferable Jets fan. Uh, we'll go right to, <laughs> we'll go right to the Sunday night football game, which is somewhat of a marquee matchup with the chiefs and the jets from MetLife. It's the second time this year. We're going to have back-to-back primetime games in MetLife. So get ready for giants and jets action Sunday and Monday night, uh, the Chiefs line is now up to 10, although as I'm watching, it blinked back down to nine and a half live action right there on my app. So it's nine and a half, 41 and a half Chiefs on the road. Not a good team when it comes to covering the spread one in five in the last six against the spread when laying a touchdown or more. I found that stat out reading McKenzie Kramer's information. So I stole that from him. We'll start with you, Mac. You're a Jets fan. Chiefs looked good last week going on the road where they don't cover. I have a feeling this will be a heavy public play on the Chiefs, especially if it stays under 10. Where are you at on this one? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned it's 10. It's been nine and a half uh, pretty much all week. I was surprised it hadn't gotten to 10 yet because I don't know how anybody in their right mind can pass, possibly back Zach Wilson and the Jets offense right now the way they've looked. It's Last week was a complete disaster, and Zach Wilson's been a, a disaster for for basically his entire career right now. So, the, yes, you mentioned the Chiefs are not always good covering these these big spreads. One and five against the spread last six as a road favorite, at least seven points, five and eight against the spread um, as a road favorite, at least seven points in Patrick Mahomes career. But I think part of the reason why they haven't been covering these big spreads is because in the past, the Chiefs defense would not be that good. But right now, the Chiefs have a top 10 defense in efficiency right now, and they've they've been averaging just a th- 13 points a game. A, uh, they are allowing 13 points a game uh, to, their, uh, to opponents right now. And I don't see how the Jets are going to be able to score in this game. Their offense the last few games has been buoyed by a couple of big plays. Brees Hall had a couple of big plays in the opener against the Bills. Garrett Wilson had one deep touchdown against the Cowboys where he broke a couple of tackles. So I don't see how the Jets are going to score much in this game. I, I took a little bit laying the nine and a half on Monday just because I thought this would get to 10 and I didn't want to miss that number. Um but to me, my favorite play in this game is the Jets team total under 16 and a half. You can get that around minus 120, I minus 130. You got a good, you got some good closing yeah. on value. Yeah. I mean, I saw under 15 at plus money that look, anything over 14, I think looks like a pretty good bet on this game. Cause I don't really see the Jets scoring two touchdowns in this game, unless they get some fluky big plays. And yes, their defense is very good, but the problem is, is Patrick Mahomes the guy to turn the ball over in this game? I don't really see him as the uh, the guy who's going to be throwing the ball to this Jets defense. And they don't really need to take that many chances because, as we've seen, the Jets offense just cannot score. And I the total is one of the lowest we've seen in Patrick Mahomes' career. And I know the Chiefs offense hasn't been great this year. They, they were great last week against the Bears, but their first two weeks of the season, they were just 15th in EPA per play. So I think the total is low, but I think that's actually pretty fair. But the biggest reason the total is this low is because I don't think the Jets could be able to score that much in this game. And, you know, this, this, this could be a toxic atmosphere come halftime if it's anything like we've seen in the previous Zach Wilson league. So I think this is an underplay for the Jets. And I have not, and I took a little bit on the minus nine and a half. I don't love it as much anymore, as much as I did on Monday. But uh, to me, there's no way you can take the Jets in this spot. So it's Chiefs are pass and probably the under or pass. Did you uh, buy your Trevor Simeon jersey yet or no? Well, last time Trevor Simeon played, uh, he, he played for Sam Darnold, who had mono, and then he got hurt in the first or second quarter when Miles Garrett just knocked him in the next week. And that led to the Luke Falk era, who is that. somehow the only quarterback I've seen play for the Jets who's worse than Zach Wilson, but it's very close. Brian, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I just don't understand how anybody could back the Jets in this spot. In Zach Wilson's last five starts, they're averaging less than nine points per game. I just, like, if... The Chiefs are not half point favorites, and it seems almost too obvious for me because, as Max said, it is not their offense, but their defense has been really impressive so far. And you can never count out this Chiefs offense. And I just don't see in any situation how the Jets can really keep pace and how can anyone really trust Zach Wilson. But it seems so obvious for me, and the, and the spread's gone up a point since Sunday night that I kind of missed the value there and don't really have a strong play in this game. I would maybe take the Jets team total under just because that seems like a lock. As close of a lock as you're going to get as long as Zach Wilson is a quarterback. I mean, the Jets should be 0-3 if it wasn't for Josh Allen turnovers Monday Night Football and we just gifted him the ball with those plays. So, And Mahomes isn't as reckless as Josh Allen is by any means. He could have kept the ball much better than him. So Jets team total under of anything, but this is just such a hard spot for me here. And as you guys have mentioned, the Chiefs don't usually cover these big spreads. 
Yeah, we could sit here and talk about the Jets' woes for the next half hour, and I'd be perfectly happy. But we have uh, about nine more games to get through, and these are going to be not marquee games. So we're going to go a little bit faster. We'll start right at the top. Uh, Sunday morning, wake up and have your coffee or your Mountain Dew kickstart and enjoy Falcons and Jags from London. Uh, I saw a note, Mac, that said the unders have ruled in London last year, but that wasn't overall. That was just last year. And this one, the Jags coming off back-to-back losses uh, are giving three. The total is 43 in this one. Um, I kind of do lean towards the under because these are two offenses that are struggling. But as far as the Jags offense is concerned, nothing can get you more healthy than playing the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, not really a strong play in this one. I'll probably wait to see what the prop market looks like. But what do you think, Brian? Yeah, I'm on the Jags in this one. I'm going to go with the home team in London. The Jags lost 37-17 last week, but the score was a lot home worse. Team. Yeah, home team, quote-unquote. <laughs> I mean, they lost by 20 points last week to the Texans, but the score wasn't is, looks worse than it actually was. The Jaguars actually outgained the Texans by 40 yards, and the Texans had two, touchdown, two long touchdowns. One was 85-yard kick return touchdown. Yeah, that was a 68-yard passing play. I'm not seeing Ritter connecting on a 68-yard passing play in this one. And the Jags also had two turnovers and two missed field goals. And the week before, they're 0-4 converting t- touchdowns in the red zone. So I can see a bounce-back spot here. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, his it's looked uglier than it actually is for him so far. He's due for a bounce-back game. And I just have a hard time trusting Desmond Ritter and this Falcons team. They're, they're going to last week not a very impressive 2-0 team. And they lost by double digits to the Lions. So... Let's go to the London Jags. I don't trust Desmond Ritter much either, but I think the Jaguars defense might be one where he can have a little bit of success. The Jaguars don't pressure all that much, so he's got a chance to look decent. And we know the Falcons running game can produce against anybody. I kind of like the over in this game. It's 43 and a half I've seen below the key number of 44. I think it's kind of a buy low spot on the Jaguars offense a little bit. They've been terrible this year. They're second worst in the NFL in EPA per play, but I just think there's too much talent for that to last all season. They got some decent weapons on the outside with Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. Doesn't look like Zay Jones. Zay Jones might not play, so that's a little bit of a loss for them. But I think that 43 and a half is just a little bit too low with two offenses I kind of trust, and I don't really trust either defense. So, I mean, we the over-under history in London has been pretty even, 17 and 16 of the overall time, uh, 11 and 10 in Wembley. So I don't really look that much into that, but I just looked at I think these two offenses are a little bit better than the over-under indicates. So 43 and a half is a small play for me in the over. You're listening to the Pro Football Network betting podcast, David Behrman, Brian Blewis, and special guest Mackenzie Kramer, ESPN Daily Wager researcher, uh, breaking down the games. We're going to come back to the United States here and have Commanders versus Eagles. Uh, I don't think any of us were surprised that the 2-0 Commanders um, got spanked around by Buffalo last week. Um, they were two, all 2-0s, two not created equal, as we've seen in Tampa and Washington. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles team coming off a pretty good Monday night game, uh, defeating the Bucks. Uh, they still have red zone issues, as we've seen. The Eagles minus 8, 43 and a half. We'll, we'll kick this one out to our director of betting, Brian Lewis, who blood might be Eagle green, so keep that in mind when he gives you this play. But Eagles minus 8, 43, what do you think? You know what's funny? If you ask anybody how the Eagles have looked through three games a season, people wouldn't be that impressed compared to expectations. But depending what spread you're counting for week two, they're 3-0 ATS, which is pretty surprising considering they have and really played up to their potential so far. They had a lot of success against Baker last week, and they're playing the closest thing to Baker Mayfield this week in Sam Howell. He's basically like a worse version of Baker as it looks like watching him play. 
And no quarterback's taken more sacks than Sam Howell, who's taken six more sacks than any other quarterback. And now this week is going against by far the best defense line he's faced all season. I mean, we saw Jalen Carter Monday Night Football. The guy looks like a superstar already. And their performance against the Broncos, after you watch and give up 70 points to your Dolphins last week, it definitely looks a lot less impressive now, even though they did come back down 18 points. This is also a revenge spot for the Eagles. I don't know if you guys remember, that was the one team that Jalen Hurts lost to in the regular season last year. And the only team he's lost in regular season since 2000, since 2021, which is pretty crazy. And that was also at home, too. It was a rare regular season loss for them with Hurts. So I expect them to come out guns blazing here. Then the offense bounce is starting to find its groove now with John J. Swift. And no matter how good the run defense is, I think they're matchup proof. I mean, the Bucs had a really good run defense going into last weekend. They got destroyed by Swift on the ground. So I like this law as a teaser leg to get them under three. But... I could definitely see this being a blowout just because his commander seemed like you said, is a lot worse than their record showed going to last week. I do remember the commanders won this game last year. You know how we remember that, Brian? How? Because I remember having a glass of champagne before I went to bed last night. Oh, yeah. That's it was the right. last, undefeated, <laughs> last undefeated team to lose. Got right out of bed, had my glass of champagne, and went back to sleep. It's a tradition unlike any other. Max laughing his butt off over there. What do you like in this game? Yeah, I was wondering where you were going with that. I should have realized it would be a Dolphins Homer thing. I knew right uh, away because he dropped that reference one time and I was clueless, so I was prepared for it this time. (laughs) Understand. Um, I I laid the Eagles on seven on Monday. That number is no longer around. I just thought that that, I thought this should be over seven. I think right now it's honestly a pretty fair line. You know, Washington, pretty average defense. Sam Howell last week looked terrible against the Bills. Uh, You know, he looked decent the first two weeks against the Cardinals and, and, uh, and uh, I forgot the oh the Broncos obviously the Broncos allowing seventy the week after but to me the line is pretty fair on this one I don't really want to lay the Eagles uh, on a bigger number over seven in a divisional matchup and we saw we've seen the Commanders have success in this rivalry as you mentioned last year when they won this game um, but but like you said before I think the Eagles are the best teaser league of the leg of the week right now I think we can get them laying two that's a really good spot I don't really have a another uh, leg that I love with it so that's the only issue with laying the Eagles in the teaser leg but to me I trust the Eagles to win this game winning by margin that could be a little bit dicey especially on a short week but I think the line's pretty fair so uh eagles and teasers that's the only play i have in this game i would lean eagles but don't trust them with their current red zone issues they keep settling for field goals uh revenge spot like you mentioned but commanders have beaten them before my only play on this game and it's the same play i've made for all three weeks this season it's hit each of the last two weeks and until they drastically change the prop line i'm gonna keep taking jalen hurts to score a touchdown it's the only red zone offense the eagles have um, if you look at their touchdowns, that's where it's come from. Uh, it's still only minus 120. It was actually plus money last week, so they moved it a little bit. Until Jalen Hurts to score a touchdown gets up in the 135, 140 range, I'm going to continue taking it. Uh, minus 120 for him to score a touchdown. The that is their red zone offense. They're it now. No longer the touch the push, what? the brotherly shove. Hey, the brotherly shove <laughs> is helping my bank account, so I like it. Moving on to... Vikings Panthers this line continues to move um it was three the other day three and a half four last night and it's now the Carolina Panthers are getting four and a half points at home total 47 um not exactly the greatest game in the world matchup of a couple of winless teams still don't know who's playing quarterback for the Panthers um not in the business of laying four and a half on the road with the Vikings right now especially since they play one score games every single week I lean towards the home dog if you can stomach it. 
to borrow a phrase from Stanford Steve, this game stinks. Probably hold your nose and bet it. Eileen Panthers is getting four and a half at home, um, but it's not a game that I'm going to wake up and say, can't wait to watch it. Mac, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think you kind of nailed it there. This is Panthers or pass right now. I told myself yesterday that if this line got to four and a half that I might consider betting Carolina. There's no way I can lay it with Minnesota on the road in this spot as an 0-3 team that plays very little defense in this spot. I, th- I don't think that there's that much of a downgrade in the market. The, the market is treating Andy Dalton as better than Bryce Young. Right now, and he we is. saw that last week with he, he might be. I just don't think that there's enough to really move the spread. Like, I don't think Andy Dalton's any good. Like, yeah, he put up some some counting stats last week. But and I, I think Bryce Young actually is somewhat competent for a rookie quarterback this year. I don't, I don't see that much of a difference between the two. But the bigger thing that's keeping me off the Panthers is they just have so many injuries on both sides of the ball. Half their receiving core is injured. Their defense lost another safety last week. Frankie Louvu also got hurt. Their best pass rusher, he might be back this week. But they've lost so many guys on that side of the ball. And the Panthers have just looked so bad this year that this could be a backdoor cover game. Again, this is Panthers or pass for me. Maybe four and a half. I might consider getting to that if the Panthers injury report starts to look a little better by the end of the week. But uh, there's no way I can lay it on the road with Minnesota in this spot. Brian, we got six more games to go. What are your quick thoughts on this one? Yeah, I don't have a good read on this game. I agree with you guys. I can't stomach backing the Vikings as more than a field goal favorite on the road, but it's also really hard to trust this Panthers team when Bryce Young's under center. If anything, it's a good teaser leg. You like the Eagles, get them to 10 and a half. It's because the Vikings can't avoid one score games. Speaking of teaser legs, we have another game that fits that crossing uh, two key numbers game coming up. Cincinnati Bengals minus two and a half, 40 at the Tennessee Titans. Another home dog situation. I'm officially waving the white flag with the Titans. I've been on them way too many times this year and watched them not show up versus the Cleveland Browns last week. So I am not going to stomach them. I also don't think the Bengals are fixed. Burrow didn't look great the other night. Uh, I think they squeaked by at home versus a Rams team that isn't that good. Uh, so this is a pass for me. Mac, what do you think? I mean, on paper, you're right. This is a great teaser leg. Spreads two and a half. You can get that at eight and a half. Low total game around 41. So these are the exact type of games you want to throw in your teaser. But I kind of like the Bengals in this spot. It's just a blind confidence bet in Joe Burrow versus Ryan Tannehill. I know that's a really simple way to handicap this game. I know Burrow is banged up, but if all he really needs to do is win by three against a Titans team that has not impressed me, I back Burrow in this spot. Titans have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They have a solid pass rush, but not a whole lot in the secondary. I think that that Burrow can get some quick passes out to his stud receivers, use the quick passing game of the Titans to score just enough to win this game. Ryan Tannehill has been terrible this year. He only ranks ahead of, of uh, Zach Wilson and Justin Fields in total QBR. So he's been the third worst quarterback in the league in that. I know Mike Vrabel as an underdog is usually a spot you want to back, but I like Vrabel when he get, he's getting a lot of points, not when he's only getting two and a half and he basically has to win this game. Give me the Bengals on the road, uh, laying a short number. Yeah, I think I agree with McKenzie here if I do have a play. I think people are getting a little too caught up in the Mike Rabel as an underdog stat and just backing the Titans blindly because of that. There's point blank, I don't think, are a good team anymore. And we saw, we know what their biggest weakness is, their offensive line, and Tannehill really isn't as mobile anymore. This Bengals defense had six sacks on Stafford last week going against another bad offensive line. So I don't think the Titans are going to have a bounce-back spot offensive this week. I had their team total under 17.5 last week, and... They only scored three points, and that was only because they got a turnover inside Browns territory. So I'm going to keep fading the tight ends. I think they're getting a little overvalued than anything because of the bet, how much people like Mike Vrabel, but I would go to the Bengals here. Vrabel Similar 10 and 5 outright as a home dog. 
similar situation in Houston where the Steelers are laying two and a half, 42 and a half at the Texans. Steelers off a very impressive win against the Raiders on Sunday night football. Houston as well off an impressive upset win last week. Um, Another teaser leg, potentially, if you like crossing the key numbers, you can take a Titans-Texans teaser and hold your nose throughout. But that's honestly what you do with the dogs adding six points to them. Start with you, Brian. Where are you going with this one? Yeah, I like the Texans this one. I think they're a decent team. They're not as bad as we might have thought going into the season the last couple of years. And it starts with C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryan who really have turned this team around and bringing them to slight competence at least. I'm just not in the Steelers team right now. Their 29th and 29th success rate to start the season offensively. And if there's six touchdowns this season, two of them were only two of them, excuse me, were a defensive touchdown or a huge passing play to either uh, Calvin Austin and George Pickens. So I honestly think the Texans have the better offense here and to get them as a home dog. I got them at a plus three. I missed the value of the key number, but I still like it at plus three. Mac, you have a different viewpoint on this one. Yeah, I disagree in this spot. I mean, I, I understand the Texans have been, have looked better than expectation this year, and I kind of like the Texans that they traded their first-round picks. So they actually have incentive to win these games, but I think this is just too much respect for Houston. You basically need Houston to win this game at 2.5, 2.75 as a spread, flowing between 2.5 and, and 3. This is a team that hasn't won four games in a whole season since before the pandemic, and now you're betting on them essentially to win a game against Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Like I know that's a very square bet on paper, but to me – I think this should be three, three and a half, probably three and a half in this spot. I know CJ Stroud has looked very good. He's now second favorite in the rookie of the year market. But, you know, week one, the Ravens shut that offense down. And the Steelers are in a whole different class defensively than the Colts and Jaguars. Two weeks ago, Houston was a one point favorite at home against the Colts and they got blown out. Now they're only getting 2.75 in this game. It seems kind of like an overreaction to one game against Jacksonville. So I, I like Pittsburgh in this spot. I think they'll find a way to win this game. And I think they'll find a way to win by at least three. A game between two teams coming off impressive wins um, as opposed to some of the other matchups like Vikings-Panthers. But if you've waited 40 minutes into this podcast, if everybody has been waiting and waiting and waiting, uh, you're, it's the time is now. The winless Denver Broncos uh, laying three and a half points in Chicago. Uh, the total is 46 and a half, arguably, probably inarguably. The two teams that have played the worst in football this entire season that I'm not sure anybody had these two teams as bad as they were on their bingo card. Um, I, I, I can't consciously lay three and a half points with the Broncos after watching every single play of the Dolphins Broncos game last week. Um, that was pretty awful and disgusting on both sides of the balls by them. Uh, not much. I like about the Chicago bears right now. I actually Played Justin Fields last week in a DFS league, thinking he was going to try to prove something that it's about the coaching and he was going to turn it on, and that didn't work. Um, not much to like here. If I had to pick, I would lean the three and a half at home with the Bears just because the Broncos' defense is epically bad. Uh, not really a game that I want any part of, and it's just hilarious that a team can allow 70 points and be a three and a half point favorite on the road the next week. Your thoughts, Mac? I think it's a little bit of an overreaction going from the Broncos two and a half to three and a half after last week. It seems like everybody's kind of bouncing on the narrative of, oh, Sean Payton, after a 70 point loss, he's going to have his troops prepared this week. Well, if his team were really that prepared, they wouldn't have allowed 70 points to the Dolphins. So I don't know if I really buy that narrative. It's just, do I trust the Bears at all? I, I do not. I would take the three and a half if I had to do anything in this game. I don't know if I'm going to get there. I mean, my head wants to bet the Bears plus three and a half just because I can't 
fathom taking the Broncos in this spot, but I just don't know if I can really get there. I don't trust the Bears at all. Justin Fields is probably the worst passing quarterback in the NFL, and this is an NFL that includes Zach Wilson. So it's hard for me to take the Bears getting only three and a half, but there's no way I can lay it with the Broncos. Reminder, bet what you know and bet what you like. You don't have to bet the entire board at any point in time. So if you don't like Broncos Bears, don't bet it. Brian, do you like it? I do not like it. I don't want to have any part of this game. I don't want to see a second of this game. I like the Bears are so bad that you're getting the hook with them as dogs at home to a team that gave up 70 points. I don't know how you can trust either team here. I don't know how anyone wants to have any action on this game. So straight up pass. Probably not going to be a Scott Hansen game up there on uh, on the Sunday ticket. Don't expect to see this game popping up on your screen too many times. Over-under is 46. We might see some points. This it's might total, be an exciting game. <laughs> it went up a point too. Yeah. Moving on to a, an interesting game that this number has moved back and forth all week long. Rams are currently a one-point favorite on the road at the Colts, total 45-and-a-half. Um, really, I think both teams are a little bit better than most teams thought they would be this year. I play, had a play on the Rams over 6-and-a-half that I'm not liking as much, but they are better than people think, and Indianapolis has won a couple in a row to take the early lead in the AFC South. Um, Mac, I know you got a bunch of futures on this one instead of the actual game itself. What do you like here? Yeah, I keep going back and forth in terms of the side in this game. I kind of like both these teams a little bit. I like what Sean McVay has been doing with the Rams. And, and they're only 3-1 to one to make the playoffs right now. And Sean McVay is about 26-1 to one is the best number I've seen for him to win coach of the year. 20-1 to one in most books, but I know one of the books in Vegas has 26-1. to one, So I took that. Um you know, just because if the Rams make the playoffs, especially with the Cooper Cup injury, I think that McVay has a very good chance to win coach of the year. And he's the type of coach that the media would want to reward if he has a good yep. year. There are low, they had low expectations entering this year. They'd be overachieving if they were somehow, somehow make the playoffs. So I kind of like that bet a little bit. On the other side, I think Anthony Richardson's a bit of a value for offensive rookie of the year, especially if we get a uh, word on, on him playing this week, which it looks like he will. The best number I've seen on him is 10 to 1 to win offensive rookie of the year. He's around 5 to 1 in a lot of spots right now as well. Um, but to me, Richardson, as long as he plays, he's going to put up really good fantasy numbers. We saw him score two touchdowns uh, two weeks ago before he got hurt on the ground early in that game. I think he's got a chance to put up some really good numbers in this game. I wanted to bet the over in this game, but that's already gone up to 47. So it's a little bit rich for me. I don't really have a strong take on the game, but I think there's a lot of uh, future potential implications on the futures markets. Even Shane Steichen, he's around 11 to one win coach of the year. He's one of the favorites there. And if they win this game, he might join Mike McDaniels as uh, one of the favorites. Mike McDaniel. Ryan, your thoughts? That's a common mistake. Every podcast calls them McDaniels and, uh, Chase Daniels, you always add an S to when a guy's name is Daniel. Oh, it's that's just always how it works. But I don't know that <laughs> you only have an S at the end of your name if you kick field goals down seven yeah. or two minutes to go. Is the only way you get an S on your name. Seriously, but I don't really understand the spread. To be honest with you, I think the Rams are honestly the much better team here. I'm not really. I think Steichen's a great coach. I mean, I honestly know him really well when uh, he was offense coordinator at the Eagles. He's done a really good job so far, kind of maximizing the talent, the limited amount of talent that the Colts have. But I think the Rams are a much better team. They have a better point differential, much better yards differential. Colts are two and one, but kind of a lucky win last week against the Ravens. Ravens had two fumbles, and they probably should have won in overtime, but the uncalled defensive pass interference that was blatantly obvious on that fourth down call to uh, Zay Flowers. And Stafford just looks really good so far this season, I think. And he's going against a defense that really shouldn't give him trouble like the Rams did in week two in the Bengals last week. I mean, he, get, he went against a similar uh, – 
a defense that's better, but still not very good on week one against the Seahawks. And he had 8.8 yards per attempt over 300 yards and a QBR 82 and a half. So I just like him in the spot here. I can't really see either Richardson keeping pace because it looks like he is back this weekend. His A dot's the lowest so far this season, average after target of 4.9 yards. So I just don't really see him be able to keep up with Stafford, who I think could have a good day against his Colts defense in a dome. We have two more games left, and both of them are headed out west. The Arizona Cardinals, fresh off their win against Dallas, are getting 14 points on the road at San Francisco. The total is 44. Even though the Cardinals are the Cardinals, they're also 3-0 against the spread this season. They've had a lead at halftime of all three games. And when looking at one of my favorite stats, I always like looking at um, how much you average margin above or below the spread taking out the Dolphins winning with 70 points and covering that spread by a million, the Arizona Cardinals are the second best in the NFL in terms of covering the spread, obviously 3-0, and but covering by an average of nine points per game. None of their three games have been close to non-covers in Arizona. They're getting 14, far superior San Francisco team. In the past five seasons, this is a note that I got from John Ewing of BetMGM, teams getting 14 or more points are 30, 24, and 2 against the spread, 56%. Not 60%, but a little bit above your normal 52.4%. I'm on the Cardinals plus 14 by the sheer fact that they're in every single game they've played. Um, It's not like they played all crappy teams. They did beat the Dallas Cowboys last week. Um, They they were crushing the New York Giants the week before, before blowing the game. I like the 14. I tend to take double digits and 14 every single time it's out there but I am going to take it with a team that's 3-0 against the spread. Brian, you go first. Yeah, I'm having a hard time. wanting. To, I'm trying to avoid overreacting to the Cardinals after last week. I know they're 3-0 ATS, but sometimes I feel right about taking them to cover after their miraculous win last week against the Cowboys. And if anything, I mean, they've been they've had a lead in the first half of every game so far this season. You still get the hook and the first half spread at 7.5 too. So if they are going to cover this number, I don't think it'll be a backdoor cover. I think that's a little closer earlier in the game. Mac, your thoughts? Yeah, I like that Cardinals plus seven and a half first half look. I mean, the fact that three and oh outright in the first half Crazy. as underdogs in every one of these games, that's that's pretty darn impressive. Cardinals have had a lot of success on the road as and as road underdogs the last few years, 16 and seven against the spread since 2021. I don't know how much that necessarily applies to this game, but we've seen the Cardinals do well in this spot, getting a lot of points. I am totally fine with the principled play of, hey, they're getting two touchdowns. I'm just going to take the points because, as you mentioned, historically, that's not, that's been a strong NFL trend that usually we kind of overvalue the exact differences between two teams. The only thing that concerns me is the Niners have had long rest and they were home on Sunday. They were sitting in their houses watching the Cardinals win this game. So I don't think they're going to take the Cardinals lightly in this spot. So that's kind of concerns me a little bit. I think the 49ers are the type of team that can cover these big spreads. I mean, there were 6-1-1 and against the spread since Brock Purdy became the starter. Purdy's been playing like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. So I, I think the 49ers, especially if they get Brandon Ayuk back, they have all the talent to cover this big number. But I can't lay 14 in the NFL. Maybe if it gets back to 14 and a half, I can consider Arizona. I like the first half look, but to me, this is mostly just to stay away. Our last game featuring the Raiders, formerly of Oakland, then L.A., then Oakland, and now Las Vegas. Uh, on the road in L.A., facing the Chargers, formerly of San Diego, now of L.A. Whenever they play, I always try to figure out where these teams play and who they are. Chargers laying 5.5, 48.5. Uh, quite frankly, guys, I don't trust either team 
Um, I expect there to be some points in this game because I don't trust either defense as well. Uh, I'm not in the business of laying five and a half of the Brandon Staley team. And uh, I I'm putting the Raiders sort of in the Titans category. I'm kind of sick of taking them and losing uh, Mac. Why don't you start off? What do you like in this game? If anything, I mean, to me, the, the big question in this game is who's playing quarterback for the Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo in concussion protocol. That, that to me is this entire handicap of who's playing quarterback. Cause if you're get, giving me five and a half points with Jimmy G that, that looks like a pretty good bet in Vegas. Like the chargers are at home, but they have zero home field advantages. This might even be a, a Raiders home. Will be. Playing in will LA be. In this one. Yeah. And by might be, it definitely will be. So, you know, you can even give the Raiders a half point for home field advantage in this spot, if anything. So five and a half, that would look good if Jimmy G is starting personally, I think Hoyer is probably starting. And if it's Hoyer, you have a 37-year-old quarterback who's lost 12 starts in a row. I don't know how you – I don't even know what number I would need to bet on Brian Hoyer in this spot. So I think five and a half right now, that's probably leaning more toward Hoyer starting. But I think it should be at least seven if it's Hoyer. And, yes, you might laugh saying, is Jimmy Garoppolo really worth that much against the spread? And But to me, Garoppolo has been a competent quarterback his entire career when he's been healthy. And I don't know if I can say the same thing for Brian Hoyer. So – if we start to get some rumblings that Hoyer starting, I kind of like the under in this spot, 48 and a half. I think the Raider, I don't think the Raiders will be able to score that much in this game. And I think the Chargers, especially without Mike Williams, might take them a little bit of time to get adjusted to uh, having to play Quentin Johnston more. I'm not a big Josh Palmer fan in that wide receiving core. So I would take look lean toward the under and lead toward the Chargers if it ends up being Hoyer. Obviously, the line's going to move a little bit that, but maybe you can beat the beat the uh the number when it moves. So that's kind of how I'm looking at this play is just scouring the internet, looking for Brian Hoyer, Jimmy Garoppolo news, or maybe even Aiden O'Connell news. Cause that uh, I might even tr- trust the Purdue quarterback more than I trust Brian Hoyer. So the Raiders seem to have a bigger home field advantage in LA versus the chargers. And they did at home versus the Steelers, which welcome Agreed. to the relocation wars, Brian, your thoughts on this last game. Yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to assume Jimmy G is going to be out. I mean, since Tua's concussions last year, I don't think we ever seen a player enter concussion protocol and then play that someday. I mean, it's nice the NFL is starting to take these concussions a bit more seriously. So we could count on Jimmy G not playing, I think. But I'll be leading the under, if anything, here, just because, like Max said, no Mike Williams. Josh Palmer, we see him in the situation before, not really be that dependable number two receiver. And Quentin Johnson still not playing a ton of snaps, so he seems pretty raw right now. So if anything here, I'll play the under. Just don't really trust Brian Hoyer. So if you play, I, I know it's a Chargers defense. You can't really trust them. But every team's been putting eight men in the box against the Raiders and daring them to throw the ball and just trying to stop Josh Jacobs. So far, it's been working. So that'd be my lean right now. 40 and a half is pretty key number for totals, too. And That's if Austin the Eckler plays in this game, I don't think that necessarily helps the over. I think that might lean the Chargers run the ball a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Take some time off the clock. And it helps the short passing game, so it might lead to longer Chargers drive. So I don't think Eckler playing necessarily means, oh, that's going to help the over. I think if anything, it might be the opposite. Yep. As we wrap up coverage of all 14 games quickly, Mac, what's your favorite play? I mean, I'm going to go against Brian this one. I think the Steelers in this spot. I, I like that spot against Houston. I, I give me the Steelers on the road, laying about 2.75 either, which basically means the lines between two and a half and three, either two and a half minus 120 or three plus 100. I like either spot there with, with Pittsburgh. So I don't trust Houston. Give me the Steelers on the road. Brian, your favorite play? I'm torn between two plays my favorite, and they're two favorites, which is rare for me. I usually lean towards underdogs. So, but right now, it's a toss-up between the Jags and going against you with the Cowboys. So Brian's going up there with the Jags early in London. Uh, we have opposite sides of 
the Cowboys Pats game uh, and Mac loves the Steelers minus two and a half on the road. My favorite play is going to be the under in the Ravens Browns game. Uh, I liked it more at 42, but I'm still going to take it under 41. I don't see a lot of scoring there. That is my favorite play. McKenzie, thanks for joining us. Hopefully this won't be a one-time thing. Hopefully we'll have you on again. I know it's early out there in Vegas. So thanks for joining us. Uh, That is a wrap. Remember to go to pfnbetting.com for all your betting information and profootball.com for all of our information. You can follow us on Twitter at PFN betting. Mac, do you want to give out your Twitter handle? That's at Mac Nova, M A C K N O V A. He is a Villanova grad with two national championships on uh, recent recently on his stature. Brian Lewis is Brian Lewis PFN. And this is David Behrman, David Behrman PFN on Twitter, pfnbetting.com. So for Brian and Mac, this is David Behrman. Thank you for listening. <laughs>